You're listening to an audio message from The Well, a gospel-centered church family in Hastings, Nebraska that exists to grow disciples and glorify God. For more information, please visit www.thewellhastings.com. We'll be in Ephesians chapter 4, so let's pray before we go there. Father, Father, I have one simple request for you this morning as we open your word. Father, that that request that I have for you to just simply unleash the fury of your love upon us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 through 16, Paul says, But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. We've been studying the book of Ephesians since September of last year, right? It's nearly a year into studying this book. There were seven sermons devoted to chapter one. There were seven sermons devoted to chapter two. There were 15 sermons devoted to chapter three. Eight sermons so far, not counting today, devoted to chapter four. So that's a total of 38 sermons devoted to the major themes of who you are in Christ Jesus, and how to walk as a follower of Christ Jesus. You've got to ask yourself, why do I bring this to our attention this morning? Why is he standing up front using this as the introduction this morning? Why is that important? But I bring this to our attention for two reasons. And one is a positive reason, and the other one is a negative reason. Now, the positive reason for bringing this to our attention this morning is to simply highlight the blessing of 37 sermons from God's word to you and to me on the themes of identity and holiness. It's a blessing. We need to constantly give ourselves to the hearing and to the practical living out of our identity in ways that bring honor and glory to God. That's the positive reason. 
I am immensely privileged to stand in front of you week after week after week bringing the word of the Lord to bear upon our lives. Immensely privileged to do so. And for the most part, do that with great joy. Now for the negative reason, I have a concern for us. I have a concern for us as I think and as I pray about the breadth of our study in Ephesians. And my concern is for the name of Christ. That's what my concern is for. It's for the name of Jesus. My, my, my concern is for the reputation that we give to the name of Christ. When people in our community see the people of the well, I'm concerned for what they see. Concerned that they might see a people who call themselves Christians but who do not imitate their lives after Jesus. I, I am afraid and concerned that the cross of Christ has not come to bear on the lives of the people of the well in such a way that our reputation in our community would be that of a people who actually resist sin a people who resist foolishness, a people who pursue holiness and wisdom. Concerned. Why am I concerned about this? Why am I concerned that our, our reputation might be that of a church that gives license to sin rather than taking seriously the holiness of a Savior who died for us? I'd be concerned about that. I believe this partly because of our short history as a church over six years. Um, I also believe this um, because of a few um, current concerns uh, that I have in front of me. In our short history as a church, we become known as the church uh, in Hastings that helps struggling sinners belong to a church family. And this is a good thing. But it, good things can also carry negative consequences when not handled appropriately. Uh, in our short history, uh, addicts of all shapes and sizes, uh, broken people from all walks of life, divorcees, homeless folks, etc., all found a home here at least for a little while. Uh, men who seek pleasure and happiness through pornography and unhealthy relationships. Women who seek pleasure and happiness in men and vocational success. People who are ticked at the church across town. The, these are the kinds of people that God has drawn into our body over the last six years, and that's, that's awesome, right? We want to be a safe place for hurting and broken people to belong. But my concern is that we have yet to become a people who want to become. 
We have yet to become a people that is not just looking for a place to belong, but actually longs to become like Jesus. That's my concern. Do you long to become like Jesus? Does your longing to belong actually trump the biblical command to become like Jesus? My last concern, and this seems to be one of the roots, I think, the concerns I just communicated, there are at least three factions or divisions within our church family. There's one faction or camp or group of people who plugs their ears. They ignore. They complain. They even joke about our preaching. Complains, ignores, resists, jokes about God's word. That's a heavy thing. But the second camp <coughs> complains that our preaching seems to be directed right at them. Hmm. Uh, this camp complains about feeling uncomfortable. Both of those camps will tell you that they rarely, if ever, pick up God's word for themselves throughout the week. I, 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 here's what I think. Those first two camps that I just described is a description of the people in Hastings. That's, that's the community that God's called us to plant this church in, to be a fresh drink of water for The third camp uh, is much different. The third camp is it's overjoyed, the preaching of the word. Uh, there is a deep hunger in this third camp to, to hear the word preached. Uh, this camp will sit for hours in tears of repentant conversation in, in response to the preaching of the word. The one gospel community that I've been in uh, at times, we would be together for three or four hours, and there would be like a circle of tears in the carpet around that room because of the response to the preaching of God's word. There's no playing. There's no joking. There's no goofing around. It's just simply, man, this is God's word to us, and we need to hear it. That camp is like a really small remnant in our church family that is desperately holding on for entrance into the promised land while hungrily holding fast to the word of God. Now my heart is concerned for the people in those first two camps because those first two camps act like children. My heart breaks for those first two camps because I fear the worst for you and I want the best for you. Nevertheless, I am the messenger, right? And the Lord is the surgeon. What is impossible with man is possible with the Father. And as a messenger, my aim today, my aim is to once again, for the 38th time in 12 months, confront the childishness among us call us to grow up so that we would no longer 
merely belong. Because here's the thing. Belonging without becoming is merely pretending. And I don't like pretenders. And none of us here does either. We want real people, real Christians, authentic people who are becoming new creations. So today is a wake-up call, right? It's a wake-up call to wake up and to grow up. Today is a day to afflict the comfortable. Today is a day like in Joshua's day where the Lord calls out to you and he says, choose you this day whom you will serve. Will you stay seated in the first two camps or will you by God's grace and mercy get up out of your seat and not just occupy space but instead take possession of and live out of whose and who you are? Will you leave behind your foolish ways? Will you leave behind your childish ways of living while claiming the name of Christ at the same time? Will you take a step towards growing up? That's the call of this message today. You might ask, what does it mean to grow up? And if you're asking that question with me, then I am hopeful for you. And God would answer you through what Paul says to the Ephesians in the 15th and the 16th verses of chapter 4. It says, speaking truth and love. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, who is Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. How do we grow up in every way? How do we no longer live like foolish children? How do we no longer bring reproach to the name of Christ in this community? Three things I want to highlight for you. Um, We grow up as we speak the truth in love. We grow up as we submit to Christ. And we grow up in a growing community of love. We'll take those one at a time. Number one. We grow up as we speak the truth in love. And Paul says, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way. And the first thing that I notice here when I read that, is the word speaking. Growing up has to do with learning to speak, right? Little babies don't know how to speak. And part of the mark of their growing up is that they learn to speak. We're not called to be like children who do not speak. We're called to be grown up. We're called to grow up as we learn to speak. But what are we called to speak? Our culture loves the rant. Social media is overflowing with one rant after the next. Politics, gun control, favorite food, wages. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. You know how many Christians get involved in that on Sunday morning, on on their social media? Like, more involved in that than they are their Bibles and claim Christ at the same time. Doesn't make any sense to me. Doesn't make any sense. Relational men, relationally, like, we love to cut loose, right? Just let it out. 
complain, moan. We love to win the fight. We love to be right. I assure you, this is not the kind of speaking that God is calling us to. We're called to speak the truth. And not just the truth about how we feel or what our opinions are. You can check your opinions at the door, right? Like we're called to speak the truth, God's truth. Which means there must actually be something called God's truth. Herein lies another problem, right? Think about this, you follow this by nature, man. We know we're called to speak. We understand conceptually that maybe we're called to speak the truth. I think we often believe that if we just speak the truth, man, we've done our Christian duty, we can just go home, right? Mic drop, out of here. Paul establishes in this passage the way we are to speak the truth. We are to speak the truth in love. The question is, is what does it look like to speak the truth in love? Here's the thing. I think this qualifier of love, when Paul says this, I think it has to do with two things, motivation and presentation. Motivation and presentation. I think that we must do everything in our power to speak only when motivated by love. I think of Paul as he writes his letters to the churches, and there's a time when he says, man, I came to you. This is my loose paraphrase. I came to you not, not, not in a spirit of like big words. When I came to you in a manifestation, spirits, power, and love, and tears. And we know Paul, right? The way that he spoke the truth in love. We must do everything in our power to speak only when motivated by love. We must work hard to present what we say in a way that communicates that we desire what's best for the hearer. Like, is what you say to other people and the way you say it, does it communicate that, hey, I'm not just here to win the fight with you, brother or sister. I'm here because I love you and I want what's best for you. Think about your most recent social media experience and rant. What did it communicate? And if it communicated anything less than the loving truth of God, go take it down. Because you bring reproach on the name of Christ in our community. So we grow up as we speak the truth in love. Number two, we grow up as we submit to Christ. We grow up as we submit to Christ. Paul says we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head who is Christ. Now, now medically speaking, it's true that where the head goes, the body goes. Cut the head off, where does the body go? Same place the head goes, down on the ground. Dead, right? Not going anywhere from this point forward. Where the head goes, the body goes. The head controls the body. Our body behaves because it is in submission to and controlled by the head. Now, children, you know children, have a very difficult time getting their heads in the same place as their parents. That's why children are under the control of parents right to get their heads in the right place a child's thinking is jacked up a child's feelings control their thoughts a child's appetite drives them to think and act in ways that are foolish instead of wise 
It's the same way with Christians who are not yet mature or grown up. Same thing. An immature Christian still lives according to their foolish feelings. An immature Christian still lives according to their immature thoughts. An immature Christian still lives according to their out-of-control appetites. This is why submission to Christ is crucial to growing up in the Christian faith because submission is all about surrender. Surrendering to the one who surrendered his life for you. Christ is our perfect example. But not only that, he's not only our perfect example, but he's our perfect substitute. And because of his sacrifice at the cross, every one of us has jacked everything up, can come to him, submit, surrender, and be changed. Okay? Transformed. Not the same as before. Because of the Father's sacrifice at the cross, we can seek the Father's will for our lives. And then the Spirit of God will submit or will help us to submit and to surrender to the will of the Lord. And what is the will of the Lord? What do you think that is? I mean, this is a question we always ask. I mean, God, what's your will? Well, here's the will of the Lord, at least in a broad context, to become like Jesus. Simply. Ask yourself, would Jesus do this? And if the answer is no, then run from it like Joseph. Right? Because submission to the Father and to his will is simply to become like Jesus. It's not rocket science. Children can get this. The problem is that we as adults have lived for so long figuring out how to twist things and figuring out how to deceive ourselves and deceive others around us that we walk in our own little ways and we bring reproach to the name of Christ. It's simple. Would Jesus do this? No, Jesus wouldn't do that. Don't do it. Would Jesus do this? Yes, he would. Does it do it? Right? Speak like Jesus, serve like Jesus, live like Jesus, love like Jesus, obey like Jesus. And we grow up as we submit to Christ. Now, now there's a dangerous edge in everything that I'm preaching here before I head on to the next point. The dangerous edge is that it sounds like you need to go out and just do, do, do a whole bunch of things. Which becomes legalism. And we live by grace. And by grace, God gave his son for you and for me so that we no longer have to live like his enemies. And so that's how we are empowered to do and to live like Jesus. It's simple as that. It's hard. I'm not saying it's easy to do. I'm saying that that's what walking by faith actually means. That when you find yourself doing something that Jesus would not do, the walking by faith is saying, God, I'm going to trust you to keep me walking with your word as a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path so I might walk in the light and not walk in darkness. That's what it means to walk by faith. To trust him to keep my feet on the path, not to run off the path and blame everybody else for my mistakes. And then say, oh, well, God's grace is good enough. Yeah, that, that's prostituting the message of God's grace. Okay, So, End side thought. Number three, we grow up in a growing community of love. We grow up in a growing community of love. Paul says, the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part works properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Paul often refers to the church as a body with many parts. Each, Each part of the body of Christ is uniquely shaped, uniquely molded together, held together by the presence of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is working to grow the body into a mature reflection of Jesus to the outside world. 
when each part of the body is working properly in submission and in surrender to Christ as the King of kings and the Lord of lords, when each part is working properly like that, then each part helps the other parts to grow up too. They're like, what's the key ingredient here? Right? Is there a key? Got to be a key to unlock this one. What's the key ingredient to growing up in a growing community? The key ingredient here is that the body builds itself up in love. The key ingredient is love. See, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, Paul says, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. And that's, that's, that's good stuff, right? But see, we misapply some of these things to the word love sometimes as we think about it. And we start thinking of grace and love in a way that gives us license to do whatever the heck we want. But the following thing that Paul says in, the, in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, he says this. Love, it does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. So you ever have a friend who's like walking foolishly? You ever have a friend who's walking in sin? Go to them, confront them, and get in their face. They stiff arm you. They talk trash about you. They misunderstand you. They slander you. They gossip about you. And then they distance themselves from you. Find a new group of friends. Right? You only got to have that happen like once or twice before you get to be a little bit afraid to go speak the truth to people, right? Like to go to somebody and say, hey, brother, hey, sister, like I cannot rejoice. Love doesn't rejoice in the wrongdoing that you are redoing. And Jesus inside of me does not rejoice in that. And I got to rejoice in the truth by calling out to you and warning you. And when they do what they do, you begin to get a little bit callous, a little bit afraid. Can I just encourage you here? for just a moment and just say, that's a beautiful picture of what happened to Jesus at the cross. So don't stop speaking the truth in love in community. You have to do it. You can't hold on to things. You can't shove it. You gotta not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoice in the truth. That's what love does because love bears all things. Love believes all things. It hopes all things and endures all things. Love never ends. So love is the key ingredient to growing up in this context, we must receive the love of Christ at the cross and then put love into practical action in the world that we live in. And as we do this, we become part of a loving community of believers who are growing up in a growing community. So, grow up in a growing community of love. Now, how do we apply all this to our lives right here and right now? What do we need to believe? And what do we need to obey? Because when we say application, that's what the word application means. Believe this, trust this, and obey this, do this. It's both and. If God's word to us today is to grow up and to no longer walk like children, if we rightly understand that part of the journey of growing up includes speaking the truth in love and submitting wholeheartedly to Christ as our king and being part of a growing community of love, then what does that look like practically? Like, what, what does this look like for the married couple? What does this look like for the dating couple? What does it look like for the single person or the parent or the college student, the high school teen? I can't get super specific on every one of those, and you, got, you all know I could, but we'd be here for another hour and a half, and the food smells good. So, so I'm, I'm going to take some broad brush strokes and trust that the Holy Spirit can do what I do not have time to do today. 
one at a time. Number one, speak the truth in love, right? Speak the truth in love. Speaking the truth in love is a touchy topic to apply to our lives. We get these pictures in our heads of pasty pale Jesus with blonde hair and blue eyes, right? Never saying a harsh word. Always having this kind and passive smile on his face when he speaks. And I assure you, I assure you that's not the Jesus of the Bible. Like when Jesus called religious folks a brood of snakes, whitewashed tombs, den of thieves, Satan's children. Man. He was passionate and even angry. But underneath all that was his love that motivated and drove him. The other picture we get, uh, uh, I think I referenced this earlier, is the pop culture rant. Anyone who disagrees with this gets smoked with searing words and verbal bullying. Right? And none of these images that I'm putting forth are helpful, healthy, or biblically. We should neither be passive, nor should we be abusive in our use of words. Uh, winning the fight is another common issue with learning to speak truth and love. Sometimes we view life like a fight. Everything's coming against me. I gotta keep fighting through this, right? A fight to be won. And what happens if we view things that way is that in the process, we wind up trampling on people that have been created in the image of God and we become unloving in our pursuit of another fight to win, okay? The last thing I would mention, and this is one for me, for sure, I, I can't, the last thing I want to mention is, is that fear, Fear is a huge detractor from speaking the truth in love. I, I can't even um, begin to tell you how much fear I processed through this last week um, preparing to preach this message. I don't have time to go into how fearful of a man I am. When God tells Joshua to be strong and courageous, I feel like I'm weak and fearful. There are people who say, Joe, you don't walk like that. Oh, man, if I walked like I wanted to walk, so the Spirit of God, only the Spirit of God could do that work. I struggle with this a bunch. I fear that people won't like me. I'll be all alone if I speak the truth in love. So if any of these scenarios uh, in, in all of, in, in dealing with fear, I have to practice patience and gentleness, but I still have to speak. He's called me to speak. He's called you to speak. Gospel takes words, not just actions. I must strive to speak God's truth. I, mu I must wait to speak until my heart is motivated by love for the other person that is born out of the experience of receiving the love of Christ personally. By speaking the truth is not about just speaking the truth. Speaking the truth is about loving someone truthfully with my words. Get that? Speaking the truth is about loving someone truthfully with my words. So speak the truth in love, okay? Two, submit your life to Christ. Our lives are spent making decisions on what to submit to. We can submit to our fear and hide we can submit to God's invitation to draw near to him. See, if you're hiding, you can't draw near to God. Follow me? You submit to one or the other. <clears throat> so we can submit to the truth of God's word, or we can submit to our every whim and desire and want. I want that. <laughs> On it. Well, you're not submitting to the Lord then. Period. 
We can submit to what the culture around us puts forward as acceptable. Or we can submit to what God says is acceptable. The thing about submission is that submission is all about saying yes to something and no to something else. Submission has to do with laying down my personal wants, my momentary whims. I may want to escape from the child who's throwing a fit. Anybody else ever get there? Get, get me out of here. This kid is crazy, right? I escape from the child who's throwing a fit. Or I might have a momentary whim to go purchase something for myself. Because that makes me happy momentarily. You see, as a Christian, I am called to walk differently than the world around me. Jesus laid down his life. He surrendered his desire for self-protection. He submitted to his Father's will. And he went to the cross for you and I so that our failures could be forgiven and so that the barrier between God and us could be removed. So, so when I want to win the fight, or when I want to retreat and hide, or when I want to find a better job, or when I want to lash out at someone who has hurt me, I can surrender these things to Christ in prayer as I search his word for direction and ask the Spirit to give me the faith to submit and obey. So submit your life to Christ as your king. Number three, become a member of a growing community of love. Now, in some sense, <clears throat> this third point is the natural outcome of you and I doing the first two things, okay? In some sense. When we speak the truth in love, when we surrender to Christ, we create a growing community of love. But, but this last one also takes some obedience, okay? It does. take some obedience. Like, it's hard work to stay engaged in a growing community. We get tired. We get lazy. Other things compete for our time. We get distracted. Sometimes we just flat out don't want to be around people. Anybody else over there? Someone want to raise your hand with me? Don't leave me hanging. Thank you. But the scriptures are clear. God's word is clear to us. We are, we are to consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. <laughs> stir up one another to love and good works. How do you do that if you're not around people who are going to do that with you? Right? Not neglecting to meet together. He follows it up that way. Well, this author, God himself, must have known something about us that we didn't know prior to this, right? Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. Knew that some people would make that a habit in their lives. Knew that. But encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. The day, capitalized day, last day when Jesus is coming. That day is coming. Don't be lazy. Don't get distracted. That day is coming, the day of judgment. That day is coming. Don't walk by yourself, as some people do. Stir up one another to love and good works. We're commanded to be part of a growing community of love on a regular basis. And the book of Acts, you read that, seems to make it clear that the early church practiced this in a couple different ways. Large group gatherings, small group gatherings, why we do that here. Not perfect, but it seems good. Just don't make excuses. Don't make excuses about not being a growing community of love. Like, make it a priority for your life. And the reason is because it is vital to your spiritual growth. And not only that, but when you do not take this word seriously, you rob your brothers and your sisters of the gift that you were meant to be to them. Don't be a person who robs your brothers and sisters of the presence that God designed you to bring to his bride. So become a member of a growing community of love. In conclusion... I want to draw our attention back to where we started. 
I am concerned that the reputation of our church is not glorifying to God. And here's the thing. Reputation is the story of your character. And character is the story of your integrity. Integrity. Integrity is so small, you barely see it. If you can see a whole bunch of character in people, I mean, you can see people's reputation. And what you see in the reputation is born out of issues of integrity. When your integrity has a flaw in it, you know what integrity means, right? Dishonesty. Not truth inside of you, deception. Live one way one day, another way next day. Word says this, my mouth says this, I do that instead. Like, just like craziness and consistency, right? Man, you were that yesterday, and today you're this? I don't get it. That's a lack of integrity, okay? So, reputation, story of your character. Character is the story of your integrity. Start thinking about your integrity. When somebody says to me, I want these boundaries for my life, and then tomorrow they don't live those boundaries out, I know what the issue is. It's integrity. And the only thing that fixes integrity is being in the presence of Jesus, because in Jesus there is no change. In Jesus there is no just disruption. Oh, this is why God, through the lips of Joshua, called Israel to choose you this day whom you will serve. If you're familiar with the story of Israel, man, you know what they were like, right? Up one day, down the next. Up one day, down the next. Serving God one day, serving false idols the next. In the context of Joshua, he actually begins with a walk down memory lane with Israel. He reminds Israel of the many false gods that they and their ancestors had given themselves to. He reminds them of God's miraculous mercy and his redemptive work on their behalf. Like they are standing in the promised land after hundreds, if not thousands, you could say, of years of ups and downs as a community. When Joshua says this, they're standing in the promised land. God had taken them out of captivity. He'd taken them through the waters and through the rivers and through the fires of persecution. We sing about it today. And on top of that, God had silenced and defeated their enemies so that they could take possession of the promised land that they had always dreamed about. Can you imagine what it would be like to be given an entire nation? All yours. Entire nation filled with cities that you did not build. Vineyards that you did not plant. Homes that you didn't pay for. Cars that you didn't purchase. Doesn't that sound great? Doesn't that sound like a blessing? Man, doesn't that sound like heaven? Right? Can you imagine just sitting down in all that blessing and complaining, joking, or stubbornly refusing to do what God asked of you, or even, God forbid, continuing to live the way you used to when you were in captivity? Can you imagine that? Living that way? <laughs> this is why Joshua tells the people, choose you this day whom you will serve. And the response of the people is absolutely overwhelming. So they're like, yes, we'll do it. Hell, we're going to serve God. Joshua's response as a preacher back to them blew my mind because it's like, no, you won't. Joshua spends his whole time preaching this message to them, gets the response you think he wants, and when they give him the response you think he wants, he's like, no, you won't. No, you won't. You won't serve him. You're a broken and rebellious people. 
In a few days, you're going to go back to chasing after false gods of yesterday. And the people, surprisingly, man, like they don't give up. They actually argue with him. That takes some tenacity. Right? Like, if I'm in the audience, I'm like, okay, all right, preacher, I gave you the response you were looking for. I'd like to eat my lunch and get the heck out of here. And now you're like, argue with me. No, I won't. Would you just, frustrated, right? But, but their heart is like changing in that moment. They're like, no, no, seriously. Like, we know who we used to be. We're not going back, right? Like, we're in. We're committed. We'll hold the line. We'll serve God to the death. Joshua's response, this dude's good. Like, it's like, man, okay, fine. I'll accept your commitment. Write down a little card. I'll have some people follow up with you. Here's the thing, though. Like your own words are going to be a witness against you. Your own words will be a witness against you. In fact, like if your words aren't enough, here's a rock. Right? Here's a rock. This rock can't even speak, can't even move on its own. If your words aren't enough to judge you the day that you decide to rebel again, this rock is here. It's heard every word you said. I'm setting up in the middle of the camp so that every time you see it, you'll remember the commitment you made today to serve God alone and to walk away from those old false gods that you've been serving. So my question is, like, who will you choose to serve today? Will you serve God? Or will you serve your false gods? Are you going to leave here the same way you walked in? My choice is up to you. Will you choose to grow up? Will you stay in the seat of your child like foolishness? So listen, Christ is waiting to receive you. He's waiting for you to draw near to him. His forgiveness and his love is never ending. He's given you a 38th chance, if you've heard all these messages, to get up out of that seat and get serious about whom you call your savior. He sees every failure you've ever made. Every failure that you are making right now. He sees every failure that you'll ever make in the future. And yet, He loves you completely and furiously. His invitation to you is not just to come and belong to a family. His invitation to you is to come and belong and to let the evidence of your belonging be proven in how you are becoming just like Him. So will you submit to Christ today? Will you submit and surrender all of your thoughts, all of your hurts, all of your emotions, all of your dreams, and all of your future plans to Christ? Will you you receive this truth spoken in love? And will will this cause you to become more engaged in a growing community of love. And choose you this day whom you serve. And your thoughts and your words and your actions are a witness against you. And this rock is a witness against you. Father, and God, I pray that you would come through this message and through your word can do the work that I cannot do. Help us to become people that 
receives the truth spoken in love, commits to speaking the truth in love, submits and surrenders to Christ as our King, and is highly committed to a growing community of love. God, I pray that you would do that. pray that you would save people this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You're listening to an audio message from The Well, a gospel-centered church family in Hastings, Nebraska that exists to grow disciples and glorify God. For more information, please visit www.thewellhastings.com.